few moments to speak to these wonderful heroes in our life known as mom. You know, when you think about mom, you, you think a lot about what they do. In fact, a lot of attention today is, is given towards why we love and appreciate mom. It's because of what they do. They're the giver of life. They are the ones who dry tears and kiss boo-boos. They're the ones that most often prepare our favorite meals, the ones that drive us to dance and to soccer and to football practice. They're the ones that manage all of the, the busy affairs of the household, trying to keep us all on the same calendar, making sure that we get to every birthday party, that we celebrate every holiday, that, that it's all something special and something memorable. It's a lot about what you do. And that's why I think at times being a mom can be complicated because as we just saw, we feel as though sometimes we're not doing enough, that we could do more, and it's a heavy weight to carry knowing that perhaps so many depend on what we do. Being a mom can be very complicated, and life can be complicated because there's just so many things that are happening, and mothers have to figure out how oftentimes to play hurt to be able to do all of these things while dealing with pressures and anxieties and all of the things that we all deal with in life because life can be complicated. And then even today, this day can be very complicated. This day can be filled with a variety of emotions. For some of us, our mothers are alive today and we had good relationships with them. And on this day, it's cause for celebration and warm fuzzies. Others of us, perhaps our, our mothers have passed on or they walked out of our life or we didn't have a very good relationship with them and it's complicated. For some here today, you know the pain of miscarriages or SIDS and the inability to even have children. And so today, this day, this celebration is complicated. And I just wanted to, on behalf of Waterview Church, just let the moms know here today that we see you and we are grateful for you, immeasurably grateful for you. And we want you to know that we honor you and that this day really for us isn't about what you do because your identity is not in all of the things you do and whether you're soccer mom of the year. It is about your identity in Christ, namely that you are loved and that you are special and that you're a treasure and that we are immensely grateful for you. And although motherhood may be complicated and life may be complicated and this day may be complicated, the love of God and honoring someone that is worthy to be honored is not at all complicated. And we just, again, we just want to thank you. So church, can we just thank God today for all the moms. 
so very thankful for you. We're grateful for you. And as a way of showing our gratitude for you, we have a photographer that is here with us today. And they are going to be available at the end of our gathering there in the lobby to take pictures of all the moms with their families or with their children, professional pictures. And then we will be editing those pictures and then posting them onto our church's social media so that you can access them there and download them there. And we just want you to be able to have a keepsake from this special day. And I hope that your lunches and your dinners are wonderful and that this day is just fabulous. And we've been around here the last few weeks doing a series called The Real Jesus. And we've been doing this series because there is a lot of attention on Jesus, a lot of discussion and even debate about him. And people have all kinds of different perspectives and viewpoints on the one who is arguably the most famous or the most infamous person in all of human history. And we know that there is a secular Jesus, the one that we hear talked about in news media and on social media. And then we also know if we were raised up in and around church, particularly in this part of the country, that there is a Bible Belt Jesus. And there are opinions and thoughts regarding him that's due to upbringing and religious formation and things of that nature, but we believe that when you come to know the real Jesus, that your life will forever change. That knowing the real Jesus, who he really is, not, not settling for the opinion of someone else, not, not just relying on what somebody else says, but actually coming to know the real Jesus for yourself, to have not religion, but to have a relationship with the real Jesus, it transforms our life. And our eyes have been getting open these last few weeks. We started the series on Easter, and we talked about how Jesus was the wounded lamb for wounded people. And, and then the next week, we talked about how his grace and mercy is more amazing than we could ever imagine. And then the last couple of weeks, we focused on Jesus being a healer, a healer in our lives, and we were celebrating the healing that he's done for many and what he's wanting to do. And today we're continuing the series, and I just want to highlight again our anchor verse, uh, the passage that we've kind of built this whole big idea around. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul's writing here, and he says, You'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you, to let you in on God's sheer genius. I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. I want to keep it plain and simple. And that, first of all, is Jesus and who he is. And secondly, Jesus and what he did, that Jesus was crucified. The whole point, the whole focus of Paul's ministry was to get all eyes on Jesus. And we want to get in the 21st century, in the time that we're in that's filled with ups and downs, uncertainties, crises, chaos, we want to get all eyes on Jesus. Because the bottom line remains, you and I, we may not be able to do a lot about our problems and 
And governments may not be able to do a lot about our problems, but Jesus, if our eyes are on him, we're going to be reminded that he is in control, that he's got the whole world in his hands, and that he has a plan and a purpose for our life. In fact, Jesus, when he came, he made a very clear vision statement, and it's found in John chapter number 10. John chapter number 10 and verse number 10 Jesus says the thief, and he's talking here about the enemy, the forces that are working against him, Satan, the adversary, the devil, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that all of you would have life and that you would have it to the full. Other translations read that you would live an abundant life. And much of who we are and our vision and mission as a church is taken directly from the words of Jesus, that we exist as a church for all people, to bring them fully alive, to lead them to flourish, and equip them to live fulfilled so that they could make their lives matter. That's what the abundant life is really all about. That's what life and having it to the full is. But then verse number 11, he continues and says, I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. Now, Jesus, throughout his earthly ministry, identified himself in a variety of different ways. At times, they would seem somewhat peculiar, particularly to our modern-day audience. He referred to himself as the door. He referred to himself as the light of the world. He referred to himself as the truth, the exclusive way to the Father and to heaven. He, He referred to himself in a variety of ways, that he was the bread. But I think that his most favorite description of himself was that he was the good shepherd. In fact, we see him being referred to in that way a number of times. He, I think, was most fond of that. I am the good shepherd. And his favorite description of us, we're the church, and his favorite description of us was calling us a flock. Now, I don't know if you are aware of this or not, but throughout the Bible, that the church, this gathering, this group that we are a part of, we're a part right in Waterview of a local church, but then there is a global church where we have millions of brothers and sisters around the world, different continents, countries, different languages, different time zones that are gathering right now. We're a part of this local church, but we're a part of God's global church And there are people all over the world we've never met here, but we will one day there. And this this church that God has on the earth, it's identified in a variety of different ways in the Bible. For example, the church is identified as a family. And that's why here at our church, we are wanting to always be about loving relationships. We're, We're a family. And then the the scripture talks about how we are a fellowship. The church is called a fellowship. And 
And that's why we see over and over again that a church, because it's a fellowship, it means that there ought to be unity. That the church should be together and and unified, not divided. And then we see that we are a body. And this is particularly important because that means if we are a part of the church, and if the church is identified as a body, that means that all of us that are a part of the church, all of us have a function. And so today, if you are in God's church, whether you've just became a part of it in the last few weeks or you've been a part of it for years, if you're in the church but you haven't yet found your part, it means that you don't know what body part you are in this thing that that God has established, and you're not yet functioning in the place that he desires you to be, and therefore, as a result, you're, you're not really flourishing, and you're not really living fulfilled. Because we're a body, and it means that we all have a function, and we all have a part, and we all have a place, it means that Jesus, he didn't die, he didn't rise again, he didn't forgive you, he didn't save you just to be an observer. He didn't do all the wonderful things that he's doing in your life just so that you could take a seat. No, he's trying to take you on an adventure. He's trying to take you into his mission. He's trying to take you so that you can be an active functioning part in his body. And so because you're a part, you have a part to play and you're supposed to function in his body by doing your part. And that's one of the reasons why a big thing that we do here at our church is what we call launch. And it's really the, that first next step that we want everybody to take, whether you're new to our church or you're looking to get more involved, to have questions about who we are. Launch is about helping to identify our church to you to understand what we're about, but it's also to help you to understand the function, the part, the part of the body that he is wanting you to be in. And today at the end of our gathering, we're actually hosting launch step number two, Because the first Sunday of every month is launch step one, the second Sunday launch step two, third Sunday launch step three. Launch is meant to open up that whole world to you. So the church is identified in a lot of different ways. But we see here that we are a flock and he is our shepherd. Now as providence would have it, that as we're talking about the real Jesus... The day that we decide to talk about Jesus, the real Jesus is my shepherd, it falls on Mother's Day. And on this day, I I think that it's so comforting as we think about our moms or we think about motherhood in general, as we think about moms and how special they are and all the different ways that they love us and to serve us. I think it's very comforting and I think it's very special to think of the real Jesus in this way as being my shepherd. Because I think that sometimes a shepherd, we could maybe ascribe some type of 
masculinity to that role. But if you think about a shepherd and who they are and and what they do, there's something about it that mirrors what a mother does. When I think about a shepherd, I think about someone that is loving. I think someone that is concerned about welfare. I think of someone that's looking out for what is more delicate and what needs more care. I think of someone that's concerned about what they eat and the places that they go. I think about someone that wants to protect what they've been what they have been entrusted with. And so I love the idea that on Mother's Day we get to talk about the real Jesus being a shepherd. Psalms 100 and verse number 3 says this, Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Now you can be sure that on the day that we're talking about the real Jesus being our shepherd, that it would be a tremendous mistake to not include Psalms chapter number 23. In fact, I I wrestled with the idea, should we include it because it's so expected, or should we not because it is so expected? And I just thought it would be best to include it, and I thought it would be good for us just to read it together. Because if there was a passage that is one of the most famous passages in the Bible for believers and non-believers, church people, and those with no church affiliations, those that would identify as Christians and those that do not. Psalms 23 is known. We see it referenced in sporting events, and we, we see it referenced in so many different places. Even if you've never really been around church, you know Psalms 23. Let's read it together. It's going to be on the screen behind me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This passage helps us to see what the real Jesus does in our life as our shepherd. But here's the thing. I want you to notice today we entitled this message, Jesus is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. And the reason for it is because it's, it's taken directly out of the scripture. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. But how often do we want to quote it or we want to think about it? The Lord is our shepherd. But I, I today want you to come to know all of these things that we're getting ready to highlight concerning who Jesus is, this real Jesus in, in our lives. I want you to know it personally. I want you to own today in a deeply personal and meaningful way 
who he is in your life, what he is desiring to do for you, and how he can be experienced in your day to day. We're not talking in theory that he is the shepherd and as he's looking out for the flock as a whole. I want you to own today the Lord is my shepherd. Because you know, I think that one of the biggest one of the biggest steps of growth in our faith occurs when we go from believing that God can do something in general to believing that God can do something for me. I think many of us believe that God can do this and God can do that and God is this and God is that and we have faith to believe it for others. We have faith to consider it for ourselves into that and believe God can and will do it for me. He will be that for me. And I'm going to own this in my life. And we see as the writer of Psalms pens, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'm going to have need of nothing. The first thing that you need to know about Jesus, my shepherd, is that the shepherd provides the shepherd provides. You're going to always have what you need. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not want. I will not lack. I will have need of nothing. Philippians 4.19 puts it like this. And my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And that is why we can with confidence during tumultuous that he's going to take care of us. Because it is not our economic systems, it is not the performance of Wall Street, it is not the, the current presidency that decides whether or not we're taken care of. Those things are not our source. Jesus is our source. He's the provider. He'll make sure that we have need of nothing. He'll make sure that our needs are met. I understand that there are times when our anxieties will rise when, when, when things get, get tumultuous, economically speaking, recession, no recession, job loss, and, and all of these different things, that's why we've got to come back to the real Jesus, our shepherd, and remind ourselves he is our source. You yourself are not even your source. He is our source, and he gets what we need and what is going to be best for us, to us, through us. But he ultimately is the source. And we can trust him in good times and bad. We can honor him in good times and bad. We can be generous in good times and bad. Because he provides, the shepherd provides. He's going to be your source. So when you get feeling overwhelmed by current events 
and speculation about the economy. Go back to Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I will have need of nothing. He's going to take care of me. My God's going to meet all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. The next thing we see is that our shepherd, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. You need to know this about our shepherd Jesus. The real Jesus, he restores. The shepherd restores. Jesus says in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That's easier said than done, right? That can be very difficult at times in our life, right? That's why we've got to be restored. The word restore in this context means very simply to bring us back to the point of departure. And I love that because as we're on this great faith adventure, along the way, there are places and opportunities for us to kind of get a little sideways, maybe to step to the side or step back or just to get out of alignment. And when that happens, sometimes we, we beat ourselves up with shame and condemnation. And we believe that in, in God's eyes that we've just taken ourselves out totally and that we have to just start all the way over again. And who wants to start something all the way over again? That can be overwhelming. But restoration, restoration is not about making you start all over again. It's not about you feeling shame and condemnation. To restore means to just bring you back to the point of departure. He's just going to bring you back to the place where you stepped out, where you got out of alignment, where you stepped aside. He'll bring you right back to that place, and that's where he'll renew you, and that's where he'll, he'll fill you up and empower you for the rest of the journey. He's going to bring us back just to the point of departure. And aren't you thankful for that? You don't have to go through it all again. He'll just bring you back to where you stepped out. Come on, step back in right here and just keep going. And then as he restores us, this is what he does. This is what restoration means as we look at the real Jesus. Restoration is allowing us back into the fight where we stepped out. Secondly, it means rest. Third, it means that he brings us to where we can feed on things that are healthy, where we feed on things that inspire faith, where we feed on things that build us up, where we feed on things that cause us to flourish. We feed on his green pastures. How many of you know that he's really talking about his word? That if we want to be restored, we've got to get into his word. We've got to read his word. And then he'll bring us beside still waters. And if you really want to be restored, get back in where you stepped out, rest, get in his word, but then there's this idea of still waters, and that's where worship enters the picture. 
This idea of, of being able to refresh beside still waters is this imagery of, of tapping in to the depth and the goodness of God through worship. We worship Him. And how important it is that if we're going to have restoration in our homes, in, in our, our relationship with Him, and in other relationships, we, we've got to be feeding on His Word and then just spending time in worship, reconnecting our hearts and our emotions and our minds with total focus and adoration on Him. And then we see also that this Jesus, the real Jesus, he leads us. Because he's the shepherd, he leads. The shepherd leads. It says that he leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. You know this already, that in this life there are a lot of different paths. There's a lot of different options, a lot of different ways, a lot of different responses, a lot of different things that you can choose but there is always a right path. And Psalms 23 tells us that one path has his name on it. And that path is the one that is going to make a difference for you. And that path is going to be the one that makes the difference for others. This is what John 10 and verse 3 says. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and lead them out. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And that's how he leads us. It's his voice. You want to be led by him? You, you want to make sure that you don't ever get yourself into trouble, that you don't really ever make bad decisions? You want to make sure that you're always in right company? Get to know his voice. His voice. Know his voice. And here's a few things that I have learned about coming to know how he leads and coming to know his voice. Number one, you cannot come to really know his voice only hearing it an hour on Sunday. There's got to be intentionality in coming to know his voice. And this is really about a life of ongoing prayer. It's about a life of ongoing relationship. It's a life about getting around right people in right relationships that know God's voice and that are speaking His goodness and speaking faith and speaking life-giving things into you. Look at Job. Job's pretty well known as well because... He was a guy that had everything, and then overnight he had nothing. But do you know that when Job had everything, he prayed? And when Job had nothing, he prayed. Prayer, prayer isn't about responding to your circumstances. Prayer is about knowing who he is. It's about coming to know his voice so that he can lead you. And when you know his voice, like Job, he'll be able to lead you through the ups and through the downs. Another thing about Jesus trying to lead us and about us coming to know his voice is this. It's really hard to hear his voice 
when you have already decided what you want his voice to say. We've got to go before him to know his voice and with an open heart concerning what it is that he is trying to say. Not what we predetermine what he's saying. Not, not what we've decided that he's saying. We're going to know what he's saying by leaving our hearts open. Lead us, Jesus. You're going to lead us. You're going to lead us. Another thing about Jesus is that he supports. Again, we're drawing this parallel today between the great shepherd, Jesus, and and our, our mothers whom we celebrate and love today. A mom is a source of support. And our heavenly father, Jesus, he supports us. 2 Timothy 4 says this, No one came to my support. Everyone deserted me. You ever been there before? No one came to my support. Everyone deserted me. But the Lord stood at my side and he gave me strength. You may not think of it in this way, but when you are down to nothing, God is up to something. That when you have reached your wit's end, he's making a way of escape. When you are feeling as though you can't take another step, he's right there beside you holding your hand to help you take that next step. Jesus, hear me today, Jesus, the real Jesus, is personally invested in your success and in your well-being. And then another aspect to him is that he defends. He's a defender. John 10, 11 says, The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He's going to defend. He's going to protect. The writer of Psalms 23 said, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. But you know what? If you've been raised around a, a, a kind of a heavily religious background... You've probably been told and you've probably heard it said that the rod and the staff was going to be used on you to keep you in line or to get you in line should you ever kind of wander away. But do you know what? The rod and the staff is not for you. I can tell you this as I think back over all of the spankings that my mother gave me the belt and the paddle was not a comfort to me. I could never pin thy belt and thy paddle. It comforts me. <laughs> the rod and the staff, it was addressed by the writer of Psalms as a source of comfort. It's not for you. That's used to protect you, to defend you. From the lion, the wolf, and the bear. The one or the ones that are trying to steal in your life. Trying to divide in your life. Trying to destroy, disrupt, distress, discourage. The real Jesus is a defender. So much so that he prepares a table when we're in a battle. And we can eat in the presence of our enemies. Jesus, he fights for you. You don't have to worry about trying to fight for yourself. He's going to fight for you. He goes before you. And then last, as I get ready to close, 
we see that the shepherd blesses. He blesses. Look at how everything wraps up there in Psalms 23. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The shepherd blesses. But watch this. Hebrews 13 says this. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good. Will you say that with me? Everything good. Come on, say it again. Everything good. He's going to equip you with everything good. Why? For doing his will. And he may work in us what is pleasing to him through Christ Jesus, to whom be glory forever and ever. He's going to equip you. He's a blesser. He's a blessing God. He's going to equip you with everything good. But have you ever wondered why? Okay, the real Jesus, he blesses me. He blesses my family. He's at work in my life. He blesses my job. He, he's blessing so many different aspects to my reality. And it's great and it's wonderful, but have you ever thought about why? Why does he bless? Why does the real Jesus bless us? Is it because we can go around feeling superior Look at how blessed I am. Is it because he just wants to thrill us and give us goosebumps and just load up our wagon just, just because? Why does he bless us? Have you ever stopped to consider why? Why he's so good? Why he blesses you and has blessed you so much? Hebrews reveals it to us. He equips us, he blesses us with everything good for, and here's the reason why, doing his will. Notice that this life of blessing is for the purpose of you and I to do his will. He's entrusting us, blessing our source. He supports us, he defends us. He leads us. He blesses us so that we can do His will. And how do we get to tap into all of this goodness? This is the real Jesus. All of this is who He is, what He does, how He operates. How do we, how do we make this a reality? It's all about knowing the shepherd. It's about knowing Him. John 10, 14, Jesus says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. It's knowing him. It's about coming to know him. It's speaking to not intellectual knowledge. In fact, the word that's used here is a word that actually speaks to intimacy. Closeness. Proximity. And that's how you get to know the real Jesus. That's how you know my shepherd. You got to be right where he is. You got to get as close as you can. And he'll be the shepherd of your soul. Will you stand with me here today?
the Bible says this, that all of us, all of us like sheep have gone astray. All of us. All of us like sheep have gone astray. That means at one point in time or another, today might be that season in your life. Maybe you've come out of that season, but all of us have gone astray. We've drifted from him. We've wandered from him. All of us like sheep have gone astray. But if it's about knowing the shepherd and knowing is about proximity and it's about intimacy, then that means the invitation from this beautiful Jesus is always come close. Come close. You've gone astray. You've wandered. You've drifted. Come close. Come close. Because I'm the one that restores. I'm the one that restores. I can refresh you and I can get you right back to the same place that you were. And that's, and that's how we come to know him. We come close to him. So what does that look like practically? It is about surrendering your life to him and it's about committing yourself to him. Saying, Jesus, you're in charge and I'm not and I'm going to do whatever it is that you want me to do. You are my shepherd and you're so good and I'm going to trust you with all of it. Heads bowed and eyes closed all over. We're going to go back into song here in just a moment, but I'm wondering if there's anyone here today that just feels maybe like, wow, I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful for my shepherd. Is there anyone that just raised their hand and say, I'm thankful today that he is my shepherd, that he cares for me like this, that he does this for me. And there may be others here today that are feeling like, I feel like I've maybe gone astray a little bit. I've drifted. I'm not where I need to be. Today's your day. You can make a fresh start. In fact, we're going to do it together, all hands raised all over this building. And we're going to pray a prayer of surrender and commitment. Come on, lift your hands with me. Let's pray it together. Lord Jesus, I am thankful that you are my Lord and you are my leader and that you are my shepherd. And in this moment, I surrender my heart and my life to you and I commit to you. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. God, I ask you to wash me and make me clean, and I ask you to restore me. Put me right back on the path where I've departed, and God, set me up for continued success. I trust you, and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you want in my life. Thank you for loving me the way that you do. Thank, thank you for who you are. Jesus, teach me your words and show me your ways, and I'm going to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody say, amen. Let's sing. Lord, I just pray a special blessing over all the moms that are in this place today. God, I pray that you would just wrap your loving arms around them and that you would just encourage them and help them to see that they are so loved and that you are with them. And that you're going to always go before them and you're going to have their back and you're going to help them through all of the challenges. Because as a shepherd, you understand exactly what they're facing and you're going to help them. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Well, moms, we're going to let you get on out of here today so that you can keep the party going and the celebration strong. 
It's now time for our final act of worship, and this is when we give our money and our financial resources towards the tithe, the part of our income that belongs to Him and to offerings, and ways that we can do that are coming up on the screen. We just want to remind all of you moms that we do have a photographer in the lobby who is there to take family pictures, and we want you to have a professional picture on this Mother's Day, you and your families. And for those of you that are joining us today, maybe for the first, second, or third time, you are a VIP here. That's how we consider you, and we're thankful that you're with us. And we'd love for you to take a moment and fill out that card where you're sitting. It says Next Steps on it, and there's a place for you to put just general information. And if you'll take that to the tent in the lobby, we've got a free gift that we want to give you to just thank you for being with us. And today, maybe a moment ago, if you surrendered your life to Jesus for the first time, the first time in a long time, you decided to make a fresh start, fill out that same card, next steps, indicate that you have made a fresh start, take it to the tent as well. We've got a gift for you to help you walk out this new life that has just been opened up to you here today. But we're just so thankful for all of you that are with us. Go have an amazing week. Celebrate mom. Give your moms a call. And we'll continue Real Jesus next week. And God bless. We love you. Have an amazing week. Go make your life matter.